Welcome to Market Corner Conversations, sponsored by Foresight Health. This is where outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Market Corner Conversations is Foresight Health's regular podcast series. It explores the intricacies of market-driven health reform. We dig deep into the U.S. system's structural inefficiencies. We explain how its artificial economics and distorted business models rob the American people of the great health care they deserve. We identify and talk with innovative companies that are reinventing healthcare delivery by being better, faster, cheaper, and more customer-friendly. We have a great program tonight featuring Tomar Cheval, the CEO and co-founder of Simply. Simply is healthcare's leading technology platform for engaging patients and addressing affordability with personalized paths to payment. I mean, this is America after all. People should know what they're paying. They should be able to consider their values and they should have a clear way to understand how they interact with the health system financially. And Tomar is on a um, personalized mission to make sure that happens. So Tomar, welcome to Market Corner Conversations. We're really looking forward to talking to you. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. And uh, uh, my reaction to your intro is just amen to everything you said. <laughs> yeah. Well, let the revolution continue, right? Hey, Tomer, why don't we start by your giving us a little bit of background on yourself and how you ended up in this crazy world of healthcare and why you're so focused on bringing clarity to patient finances in within the healthcare system. Uh, yeah, you know, there, there are two types of entrepreneurs, you know, the ones that have a unique set of skills and they say, hey, I can do something with that, build a big business around it. The others are maybe the ones that just uh, experienced a, a certain pain point and said, you know what, someone needs to go and solve that. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm in the latter, in the, just experiencing the, the pains of healthcare, if you will. I, uh, I started my career in e-commerce. Uh, I had the fortune to be in the core team that built the first and largest comparison shopping engine called shopping.com from a really uh, small startup to being a, a public company. I had such a great run and, and really got addicted to entrepreneurship and, uh, and going after big pain points for consumers. Well, we know there are tons of pain points that make it hard for consumers to use the healthcare system, don't we? And, uh, and thought, you know, I want to do it again and I want to be at the helm this time. I never thought I'll, I'll do anything in healthcare, to be honest. Uh, I was spending a few months trying to find big pain points in, in the e-commerce space that I, that I knew and, and really didn't get excited about anything. And then just had a horrifying vacation with my wife and kids. Everyone was sick. It's, it's really one of the, the worst weeks I've ever had. I was the only one who kind of kept everything together. And in uh, a couple of months after that, me and my wife are staring at a pile of papers in our living room uh, explanation of benefits, uh, medical bills, and, and you kind of have a, a pretty frustrating and, and, and kind of a, a high anxiety experience in, in the sense that, you know, you ask some of the basic questions, you know, we couldn't remember if we paid or not because it's like two months after the fact, you know, why do we need to pay when we have insurance? It looks like uh, pretty expensive. And, and, and when you try to navigate, it's all papers, it's all phone calls. And, and that was kind of the moment I called my um my partners and say, hey, I, I think this is really broken and someone needs to go uh, uh, after that. And, and, and that's pretty much been the, 
the start of, of simply and Well, we've all felt the pain of trying to figure out those damn hospital bills and paperwork, but you've really stepped up to solve that problem. And I think what we bring to the table that is unique uh, in the nine, the eight-year run that we've already had and the great growth that we've seen is really the fact that when we started, we were outsiders and we didn't have the already defined perspective of the professional in the healthcare space. We basically looked at things from the consumer's perspective. And I think that's when you build the consumer uh, applications, that's, that's the basic. You got to think as consumer. That's so true, Tomer. But the healthcare system has trapped people to such an extent that it's really hard to think about it from the consumer perspective. And then we, you know, brought a lot of the things that we have already learned and had a, the, the expertise of kind of building consumer applications in the e-commerce space and banking and fintech uh, uh, and some of the others from different employees that we and we basically just introduced them into the healthcare space and and, and I think that's kind of what allowed us to be very. Uh, very unique in our approach and, and, and very unique, I would argue, in our ability to drive results. <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to say this, but maybe it's a good thing that healthcare is the last industry to get to thinking about consumer-focused payments. At least in that sense, healthcare can build on the systems that have worked in other industries and been so successful. Uh, and, and the last thing that I would tell you is I'm driven by solving big problems for consumers. And I, I fundamentally believe in the notion that for us, when you think about our mission or our purpose, it's really to eliminate the stress of financial care so patients can focus on their well-being. Right? Think about yourself, Dave, when you get sick, how disruptive it is, you know, how uncomfortable. And, and if you on top of trying to get better, you also need to start worrying about your financials right. and spend all that time. That added stress is really counterproductive. And, and we believe that if we can take that away and really allow consumers, patients to focus on getting better, that's a really good reason to wake up in the morning and grind. Let's kind of dig into it uh, a little bit. And first of all, by the way, I am miserable to be around when I'm sick. So uh, it's actually probably <laughs> it's probably a good time for me to talk to bill collectors, at least if they want to get a piece of my mind. But your your point is so well taken, and it's particularly true when people have very serious illness that they're simultaneously, you know, trying to address the illness and having to worry about financial health and welfare of their family. Uh, I, I saw a survey uh, recently that said Americans today are more worried about the cost of paying for health care than they are about actually contracting whatever disease they might might succumb to. That's just a remarkable statistic. People are more concerned about paying for health care than they are about contracting a disease. And, you know, your experience, which was just sounds like the worst family vacation ever, you know, everybody got better. Uh, but imagine, you know, putting yourself in the position of someone who's really fighting for their life and also having to fight for their financial life. Maybe you could just comment a little bit on that. And then also, why do you think it is that the healthcare system writ large is so insensitive or has become so insensitive to the financial needs of 
consumers, the ones that actually are at the receiving end, not only of the care, but the administrative bureaucracy that the payment system inflicts on everyone? First of all, we are always in the habit as a true kind of consumer-centric company. When we kind of define the problem and and we try and, and, and show the pain point, you know, there's always kind of the... You look at bad debt, you look at efficiency, everything is kind of from the provider's perspective. And we intentionally use the stat, the crazy stat that you have described and a, and a few others to kind of just remind this ecosystem that at the end of the day, we're talking about consumers, we're talking about people. And they have a journey that they go through and it's not a fun journey, right? Hospitals are... Uh, in the business of saving people's lives, they've got such an amazing mission. And, and by the way, I love the fact that we partner with Health System because I truly believe that they care deeply about their community and about their patients. To your point about why is it like that, one thing that I would tell you, and that's what we're trying to preach in this ecosystem, I believe that, you know, for whatever historical reasons, Healthcare has been the last to kind of adopt the notion that consumer is king and, and you got to build around that asset. You know, it was maybe the physician is the king and there was a lot of focus about the physician needs. And, uh, and I think historically because the, the infrastructure, the technology has been so broken, so there's a, it's been a lot of focus on consolidation and kind of making it easy just so the basic things are going to work, right? Let's have an, an, a chronicle medical record instead of everything through paper. And, and I think the industry has just a lot of good people uh, on the provider side or on the, call it the vendor side that supports them, but they're all a kind of back-end enterprise approach. That's kind of how they think about the world. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're kind of preaching to providers to say, you know, if you want to be a winner long-term in the market, you have got to uh, understand the disruptive change in expectations that consumers have if you want to kind of uh, have a sustainable business long-term. Yeah. First and foremost, EMRs were built to solve a billing problem, not to help physicians with clinical care, and certainly not to help consumers. Now the industry is trying to make it better for the consumers but are we trapped into old thinking by trying to do it through the EMRs? And, and I believe that more and more providers, uh, many of our early adopters, they get to that realization. They understand that's what they need to do. And in order to do it, you need to think differently. You need to operate differently. And, and you know, it's, it's a big shift in the way they operate, in the way they think. I would show you a slide that we present when we even pitch to providers and we try and get them excited about partnering with us. And, and the slide basically has three examples, three different industries that fail to adopt the changing expectations of consumers and eventually giant companies became irrelevant. You know, we're showing the blockbusters versus Netflix. Right, right. You can choose your example that change, it's so fundamental. It needs to happen from the leadership. It needs to have the technology behind it. It needs to have a, a shift of mindset and, and really right. different type of uh, uh, processes and procedures to be able to kind of make that crazy transformation. And, and uh, 
you gotta be committed to that, and and you gotta kind of uh, change your mindset and and even acknowledge that. Uh, I can tell you horror stories about in the early days. I'm, I'm talking to people about this passionately, and and I meet a professional, and he says, "I love paper. People love paper," and and it's it, it's kind of hard to kind of convince them. Or hey, I have an online bill pay. <laughs> you know, I'm good, and and I say, "Yeah, you pay for one." But no one's really adopting it, and your patients hate it, and it costs you a lot of money at the back end, so maybe you're not getting a good deal. And let's <laughs> give me a chance to prove to you how that can change. You know, you're absolutely right. Leadership has to decide this change is important or, or it just won't happen. And it's impossible to make it happen across all areas of the health system at the same time. And let me share with you, Dave, the best analogy that I use to describe what we do at, at Simply. Do you have uh, Apple products, a Mac or a phone? Oh, I'm, I'm Apple all the way, baby. What do you do when you have a tech support issue? Well, I, I either contact Apple directly, I go to the Apple store, or I can get online with one of the consumer support groups and get my answer pretty quickly. Got it. So, so when you go to the store, you're basically describing what uh, Apple calls the genius part. Right, And the Genius Bar, it's a one-on-one interaction in the brick-and-mortar store that you set up online up front, and that is Apple's disruption of what used to be a phone call to India or anywhere else where it was a broken experience because Apple was focusing on building cool products and uh, the tech support was kind of, a, you know, an afterthought in a similar way that hospitals are in the business of saving lives and billing and payment, the administrative part, is kind of secondary. And what Apple proved in that move that, by the way, back in the days, people thought they're crazy to do it. Oh, they I know. proved that that is another way to buy their products because of the service that you get. And that is exactly what we are doing with billing and payment. I'm totally addicted to the Apple experience, and it's because the experience is great. Everybody wants great service. We're proving to providers that actually your community, I would argue it's hard for them to say whether Dr. X is better than Y or facility A is better than B because they're not professionals, but oh boy, everyone's got a point of view about the level of service that they're getting. And if you are able to uh, uh, meet their expectation or exceed them, they're going to become huge promoters. And, uh, and, and you know, the, the single most, uh, 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 the, the one metric that I'm mostly proud of it simply is our net promoter score, which is uh, uh, the gold standard. And it's a very high bar in getting uh, consumers to kind of tell you whether they are, not are they happy and satisfied, but will they, promote you, will then tell others, their friends and family, to come and see you based on the experience that they got, or are they going to be detractors, and they're going to kind of uh, say, no, I wouldn't go to that, and, uh, and our score across the board is, is 42 points plus, and that metric is between minus 100 to plus 100. Uh, you know, Mercedes-Benz is a great uh, consumer brand, their net promoter score is 35, so when we kind of prove to the providers that their patients are basically becoming promoters with billing and payments, this is where the CFOs stop and say, you guys turn the pain point into a competitive advantage. Yeah. 
unbelievable. When do you ever hear about a payment process making people happier? So that's kind of how it all comes together, that if you really look at it the right way, all those administrative people at the hospitals that thought, okay, we just have a job to do, they can actually make a huge difference in the ability of the hospital to have a loyal community that is going to continue to stay with them long term. And in the context of consumerism and people having choices, that's, that's the battle of tomorrow. That's what provider needs to go after. And, uh, and we just try and help them in one of the most broken part of that overall journey. Yeah, no, I, you know, that's so fascinating, the, the consumer perspective. We actually spend a lot of time thinking about the differences between customers and consumers. And in most industries, they're one and the same thing. In healthcare, the customer, the one paying for the service, is often a, a government or a company, and the consumer is the one receiving the service. And so they aren't exactly the same. But part of what's happening right now today in healthcare, and it's a little bit more every day, is that we're turning consumers into customers. They're making the decision where they're going to receive care. And your point about the payment experience being positive, I think, is remarkably powerful because if you think of the reverse, you have great care and a crappy payment experience, people change providers based on that. My my wife changed one of her key physicians because every time she went to the office, uh, the bill was screwed up. So people change based on a bad financial experience. If you can have a positive financial experience where people sort of intrinsically accept the value of the service provided, you reinforce the relationship, you strengthen the brand, you create consumer loyalty, you get people who want to come back. I'm just preaching to the choir here, but why don't you talk to us a little bit about uh, the Simply platform and how you get such a high net promoter score and how you turn everyday consumers who are actually used to a crappy experience paying for health care into consumers that start to love the brand a little bit more and even talk to their friends about how great the payment experience was? Uh, that's, that's a great question. The first thing that I would tell you is that we are obsessed about the consumer, right? That's the first thing that we, that we do. So what does that mean? Sounds like a big word. So we decided up front, we're not going to debate internally about what do we need to build. You know, we're not going to have a, a, a debate between different professionals about what's the right representation of the bill or what's the right flow. We're going to bring consumers early on to our usability testing lab, and we're going to basically test concepts with them. So before we even write a single line of code, we're just getting the consumer to be part of the decision-making process about what we need to do. Well, that certainly makes sense. There just aren't enough places in healthcare where consumers are invited in that early to be a part of the process and comment upon it. It's just common sense we should be doing this more often. Right, so that's number one. And, and if you've ever done that, you'll be shocked by what you learn in those. You know, now we're doing some amazing um, innovation with one of our great clients, Advent Health, used to be called Adventist. And they even have a usability testing, and we'd be tapping into that. And that was like a, an amazing experience for everyone to kind of see how there's actually a gap between what you think consumers want, need, perceive, and, and the reality. So that's, that's number one. Secondly, 
it's all about being data-driven. So I'll give you a few really good examples of what, what does that mean. Again, it sounds very fancy. Number one, if you would go, Dave, to a revenue cycle professional and you would ask him, can you tell me what are the three most common issues that uh, patients call you about, they would give it to you off the bat. Easy. They have the information. But when I ask them, okay, do you have any sense how many patients tried to go to your website to make a payment in the last month? And how many of them got to the finish line? And those that didn't, what happened to them and why did they drop? It's a black box. No one had any clue. Yeah. Another example, Tomer, of, of the blindingly obvious. You know, the industry is losing people who want to pay and they don't even know it. So we do a lot of what we call conversion analysis. We look at each and every step because the philosophy is how do we drive maximum value with minimum effort, the least amount of steps. Let's not confuse the, com- the consumer with too much uh, action uh, options. Let's try and get them towards the, the main path to get to success. Let's kind of figure out what type of information is needed. And, and when we have drop-offs, to figure out how do we improve them. I'll give you the simplest example. We realized that when people land on the bill explanation, there is some drop-off between that and those that click on, okay, I'm going to the checkout. I'm ready to make a payment. And we realized it mostly happened for large bills. And the reason was that you had to click on making a payment to realize that, you know what, that scary $1,000, you can actually pay it at uh, 10 payments with no interest of $100 per month. Doable, right? That's doable, yeah. And when we push it up to be presented on the bill page, that next to go and make a payment, it says you have an option to pay $100 a month. Surprise, surprise, we overnight lost a lot less people in that, and we got more people to kind of move on. You know, you're absolutely right. Sometimes simple changes like moving the information up higher on the page, make the difference between paying and not paying. Why not figure that out and let people do what they want to do? I'll give you one last example that yep. is, again, data, data-driven. data We are very proud that from day one, we've implemented a feedback loop from consumers. That's how we get the mental motor score. That's how we get verbatim. They're basically writing what they like and they don't like about the experience. And we've collected over a million verbatim in the eight years. You know, I'm telling you, I'm, you would be shocked, Dave. I'm talking to providers and they say, oh, we're going to talk to like 40, 50 patients. We're going to try and figure out if something we do is right or wrong. I'm talking to you about a million data points across the board. What do we do with them? We automatically tag them and we try and figure out what are they telling us that they like and what are they telling us that they want to do Uh, want us to do better. And that is a big driver that goes back into our roadmap. Well, of course, feedback loops like that are common in consumer-focused businesses. They drive decision-making. So a lot of things are around kind of being uh, consumer-obsessed, data-driven, and we always try to be digital first. Uh, um, Which, again, what does that mean? That means that, uh, um, you know, we try to push for paperless. I always go to the provider and say, you know why you don't have paperless? Because I would argue that your paper statement vendor, you know, it's not in their best interest to go paperless. They make money when people consume paper. 
What we do is we try hard to push for paperless because that's how we drive value to you for the consumer. And that's kind of the right way to go about it. Even, by the way, when someone did not necessarily opt out of paper, we could still ha- say, hey, Dave has an email. Let's first try and engage with him via email or a text message. And if in the first 48 hours he did not engage, did not make a payment, okay, now we can add the paper. So we're doing a lot of different things. They're all focused on being self-service, about being digital first. And that's, to, to your question, that's been the, the base behind the success that we were able to, uh, uh, to generate. And, uh, yeah. and obviously, as you scale that, then you're starting having an amazing network of uh, innovative providers that instead of me and, and my team trying to guess what are the next big problems to go after, they're kind of helping us kind of do less guessing and, and kind of uh, be more kind of targeted in, in what we're doing. And, and I can give you a couple of really powerful examples of that. The first version of Simply, if you will, what we did is we radically transformed from, I don't know, 10% of your patients paying the bills on their own to more than 50%. Oh, my God. 10% to 50%? That's incredible. Even more. We've got large clients, 8 out of 10 post-service are doing the collection on their own. We've proven exactly the model that happens when you go to the airport. 80% of people get a boarding pass and they don't need to stand in line. And then some of them said, we love that, but we uh, want to tackle uh, affordability. A, we know that consumers struggle and they complain that it's hard for them to pay. By the way, those verbatims, many of them said, it's great that there's a payment plan, but you still ask me to pay $800 a month for the next uh, 12 months. It's like me taking another mortgage. Another blindingly obvious conclusion. Payment plans, if they're based on what the hospital wants or the health system wants, aren't going to work if they don't also meet the consumer needs. They need to be based on what the consumer can do, not what the health system needs. Uh, um, and, uh, and what we've done is we basically said, you know, we've got so much data that we can actually use that data uh, to create a FICO score for healthcare. Basically, we created a propensity to pay algorithm that uh, tries to uh, understand what is your capacity to pay day versus me. And we didn't stop there. We plug that into our engagement engine and completely personalize the experience. And why is that important? Because now for a patient that we know is going to struggle to pay, we're going to allow him to have a lower monthly payment and drive them to commit to go and pay that over time. And by the way, if uh, I'm a patient that can pay uh, the full payment and have shown a strong history, potentially for a $200 bill, I don't even need to uh, see the option to pay over five months. We can ask for the full payment. So it's kind of... It's targeted. And, and, and what did it do? It created the right impact that we were shooting for. 8% increase in collection. So the provider is seeing a lot more money to the bottom line while the net promoter score has gone up double digits. And remember, it's been high from the get-go anyway. We're not going from a, from a bad place. And that's proving to you that if you do financing the right way, it can generate more revenue for the hospital and it creates loyalty 
with the end user, an amazing win-win. We love win-wins at Market Corner Conversations. Versus what happens today, Dave, when you have a bill that you haven't paid? You're going to get a threatening letter from the collection agency that, by the way, right. doesn't really care about your long-term partnership with the hospital. They care about, they, they're in the business of trying to collect money from you, right? And the other thing they do is they do automatic dialers. It's like the most annoying thing ever. And, and I intentionally sometimes sit on the bills to see the experience from great systems. Every day you get the same automatic dialer. It's like, it's not going to help if you're not going to give the consumer a path to pay. But if you do that, they're going to pay you and they're going to love you for giving them the option to pay that overdone. That's what we're preaching. That's what happens. So that's an example of what I meant by we are uh, continuing to push forward and innovate right. in this exciting space. And another example that we're working on right now with some of our early adopters, they challenge us and say, hey, you got eight out of 10 patients to pay their bills on their own when they leave the hospital. We love that. Can you now get eight out of 10 patients that come to our facility to basically do the check-in, including demographics, consents, cost estimation, and making an upfront payment? Can you make that process happen at home on their mobile device so they can come in with a barcode and wait for the doctor and nurse to pick them up? And, and we thought that's amazing. That's exactly the next phase of our uh, uh, revolution. Now we're going to prove that you can have the same type of experience when you go to the airport, when you go to, uh, to your provider. So there's such amazing kind of opportunities to create a win-win-win. The patients have an easy way to go about it. They've got transparency. They've got ease of use. They can be empowered and take action on their own. And then they're going to be loyal to you and you, the provider, you don't need to have so much money spent on administration, leverage technology, and, uh, and have uh, efficiency gains right. in that process. Right. Your passion is wonderful. I, I just read a galley copy of Marty Macri's new book, which is coming out in uh, a couple months. He's the physician that created the checklist that they use for the World Health Organization. So his new book is called The Price We Pay, and he profiles this uh, community in New Mexico where 95% of the civil cases heard in court are bills from the local hospitals. Can you imagine that? In the, so he was talking to the judge, uh, one of the judges, and both she and her husband had been sued by the hospitals, become part of the culture of the community. You're talking about exactly the opposite of that, where you don't feel the health system has its hand in your pocket. You feel they're on your side trying to uh, you know, help you get through a tough experience. And I think most people, not even most, the vast majority of people are responsible. They want to pay their bills. They want to be honorable. Uh, and they, want, they also believe in value. And you kind of bring all that together. Well, Tomer, I'm going to ask you one, one last question. I, there's enormous pressure on uh, health systems right now for pricing transparency even to the point where now they're, they're having to uh, put their charge masters into a, a format that people can, can download on their computers. And obviously, charge masters are among the most, uh, you know, intricate and, you know, hard to understand <laughs> features since almost nobody pays the charge master price. But do you have a perspective on transparency? And if you're advising health system listeners out there that are going through a transformation process, 
what what would your advice be to them on transparency? Uh, of course, they need to embrace it. And and my advice to them is, don't be driven by the government requirement and just say, okay, I have to put something out there. I'm just gonna do the the minimum and put the charge mask. The charge mask is just a terrible menu that has a lot of duplicates and it doesn't make sense and it's written in a language that a, a normal, a regular person just can't consume. It's a classic example of what are you going to be about uh, as a system? Are you gonna be about really solving for the consumer or are you gonna just do whatever you have to do? Because I fundamentally believe that those that will choose the shortcut I'm not going to have a sustainable business long term. And there are ways to do it the right way. We, I can tell you that we had our first version of a transparency tool for what we call visitors, browsers, mm-hmm. in 2016, over two years ago, because one of our early adopters, uh, Lancaster in Pennsylvania, they basically said, hey, we know that there are patients in our community that spend a lot of time calling us because they're trying to figure out how much something is gonna cost them. Surprise, surprise, they have a high deductible plan. Of course they care. So A, they waste a lot of time. B, we waste a lot of money on that. Can you help us build a cost estimation application that looks uh, you know, like an e-commerce website? Turning consumers into customers, I think is one of the great opportunities in healthcare. Consumers really do want to become customers, but in order to do that, they have to actually know what the prices are so they can pay. And we've done that to Lancaster, and we've even uh, taken uh, a more bold approach with another early adopter. Funny enough, they're both from Pennsylvania, uh, St. Luke's, uh, that basically said, we don't, we're not going to stop there. You know, we want you to build that shopper experience, and I invite anyone to just go to those uh, hospital websites and look at the, at uh, the application. They even decided to create an alternative pricing for those that don't have insurance or want to kind of figure out if I'm going to co- pay you upfront right now, how much it's going to cost me outside of insurance. Basically, they created more choices and, and, and proved it to be not just a great resource for potential visitor, actually a transactional way to grow their overall book of business. You know, the right way to think about cost estimators is as a competitive advantage. A hospital that can tell you how much it's actually going to cost is going to win more business over one that can't. So, so the point I'm trying to make is providers need to uh, uh, understand what's behind the requirement. What's behind the requirement is that we have to give consumers transparency. We have to... Uh, allow them to know how much things are going to cost them in the world where they are on the hook for big chunks of money. And if you're only going to do the basics and just confuse them further, maybe it's going to be okay for the next six months, for the next 18 months. Eventually, when they're going to look at the alternative across the street that have sold for the consumer and build things in a way that we all use as consumers, then they're going to be the winners and that's where the, the consumers are going to go. So uh, it's such a classic healthcare example and, and it's related to the question you asked at the beginning about why it's like that. Why can't right, there right, is such right. a gap in healthcare? Right. 
Well, you know, this has been uh, just a delightful conversation, Tomer. Thank you. You know, I kind of scratch my head on healthcare sometime. I mean, what other industry relies on the government to do customer satisfaction scoring, right? Everybody wants to have that direct connection with customers and consumers. And I, I think if there's one thing that people take away from our conversation tonight is that companies that are passionate about building that consumer connection, not only meeting expectations but actually exceeding them the way so much of e-commerce does today, are really on the path to being the types of companies that will thrive in the post-reform environment where prices are transparent, where companies do respond to consumer needs, where value is first and foremost on everybody's mind. So, Tomer, thank you so much. And we're going to just keep an eye on how that net promoter score goes because uh, at some point it's going to get even above 100. So good for you. Good for you there. Thank you so much, Dave. I enjoyed the conversation a lot. If you're frustrated with healthcare, if you want to understand how the system is reinventing itself through relentless bottom-up market-driven reform, please subscribe to our podcast at foresighthealth.com. Be a rebel with a cause. Help us fix American healthcare. Until next time, this is Dave Johnson. <laughs>